we're going to pray first. So if you're visiting our class, we divide up into small groups to pray. You can join whatever group is close to you. We just want to pray for one another and lift up one another's burdens. And then everyone who's leading a prayer group, if you could make sure you're back over here seated by 930 so John can get started teaching, he would appreciate that very much. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another Sunday to gather together as your people. We pray, Lord, that today we would be encouraged and convicted by the teaching of your word. And Lord, we pray that we would be encouraged and uplifted by the act of worship, gathering together with other brothers and sisters in Christ to look towards you and to glorify you. Pray that you'll help us set aside all the burdens that afflict our hearts, that distract our minds, and that for the next few hours we would be able to give our undivided attention to you. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Noah Webster defines trust this way. To place confidence in, to rely on, to commit to the care of. And there are a lot of levels of trust that we see around us. For example, the famous tightrope walker Blondin in 1860 had a huge crowd watching him as he crossed Niagara Falls several times. A little boy stared in amazement, and as Blondin completed a crossing, he asked the boy, Do you believe I could take a person across in a wheelbarrow without falling? The boy answered, I sure do. Blondin then said, Well, then get in. (laughs) That would take a, a level of trust. Another example, the level of trust has to do with the Peanuts comic strip in which Charlie Brown debates whether he can trust Lucy as she holds a football. And we all know that one. says, don't you trust me, Charlie Brown? And Charlie Brown, he comes running up. And, of course, the football disappears to the side. And Charlie Brown kind of wonders there if he should have trusted Lucy or not. Final example of trust I observed yesterday many times is when the toddler reaches up from the little car shopping cart at Publix, you know, the one that has two steering wheels, the green one, and they look up to grandpa, grandma, dad, or mom, or whoever's there, they reach up and they trust that person to take them out of the car, not leave them there. So there's all levels of trust. Scriptures tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Psalm 37, 3 shares, Trust in the Lord and do good. Well, when circumstances in life are overwhelming us, like last year Hurricane Irma coming our way or Michael threatening our coast, and now all those dealing with that in the panhandle and Georgia and parts of Alabama, or an unexpected situation comes up at the doctor's office or that hot water heater gives out. Who do we trust? Today we're going to look at an example of scripture of a man after God's own heart who put his total trust in God. Join me in Psalm 56. Psalm chapter 56, and here we find four steps to trusting in God alone. And I pray this is very encouraging to you as it has been to me in preparing this. Psalm 56, beginning at verse 1. 
Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? All day long they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps, and they have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth, and anger put down the peoples, O God. You have taken account of my wonderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Before we look at uh, Psalm 56, let's bow in prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for salvation, that it's all you. Father God, I pray that as we seek to understand how to walk with the confidence that you give us, that we would take each step one day at a time, that, Father, we would look to you first and not last, and at all times, Lord, we would, would seek to follow what you want us to do in your word. Give us clearness of thought. We pray your Holy Spirit will apply your word to our lives, even this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before looking at the four steps to trusting in God alone, we need to understand the background of this psalm. The psalm is titled a Mittam of David. It's the second golden psalm, the first being Psalm 41. And in both of these psalms, it shares the life of faith that David lived. It's also, uh, many commentators believe this is an, an atonement psalm, one where it talks about looking to the Lord, looking to Him alone. And let's look back here before we get into Psalm 56, look back at Psalm 41 and just look at a few of those verses and we can see a lot of similarity uh, with the psalm we're going to look at today. Psalm 41, the first four verses How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. And he shall be called blessed upon the earth. And do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness you restore him to health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned. Against you, and then look verse uh, beginning of verse ten. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me; raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are pleased with me, because my enemy does not shout in triumph over me. 
As for me, you uphold me in my integrity. You have set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Can we praise God enough for what he does in saving us, that he has saved us, but that every day he saves us from so many things that we don't even see around us. God is our total refuge and he must be the one that we turn to when everything seems to be falling apart from time to time. Anybody ever had that day where it just seems like nothing's going right? Uh, a couple of you have. The rest of you, <laughs> wait till tomorrow or Tuesday <laughs> because it will come. But what we see here in Psalm 56 in background, this was written about the time David was seized in Gath by the Philistines. With the historical background back in 1 Samuel 2, and Gath, you remember, was the birthplace and had been the residence of who? Goliath and his brothers. It was one of the five royal cities of the Philistines. Originally, the city of Gath was the home of the legendary Anakim, who were the giants, according to Joshua 11.22. Remember when the spies went into the land Joshua 11.22 says, There were no Anakim left in the land of the sons of Israel, only in Gaza, Gath, and in Ashdod some remained. As this psalm is recorded, we need to know some things about David and his situation. First, he was alone. No one there to talk to, no one to fellowship with. No fellow Jews around him, no army, no company, no local church like Lakeside. He was alone physically. Second, he was desperate. As David is in Gath, the home city of Goliath, the place uh, where he had killed so many Philistines in his past, he's trying to get away from Saul who is pursuing him to kill him, remember? He's desperate. He made a decision to risk being spotted in enemy city to get away from Saul. Do we ever make bad decisions when we're desperate? Say, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Or I could have done something else, but I did that because I felt so desperate. Does the Lord ever leave us or forsake us? Never. And that's why every time we sing uh, on Sunday morning, we sing those songs about God takes a hold of us and he's the one holding us fast. He never lets go. Sometimes we push him aside, but he never lets go of us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. Thirdly, David was afraid. Anyone here ever be afraid? You don't have to raise your hand. I think we can all admit that. There's times when we're afraid. And now as David is in Gath and he's running away from Saul who wants to kill him, people kind of spot, this is David here. He's in our city. And so it's reported to the governor at that time who was Achish in 1 Samuel 21, he's spotted in that city. But he's so desperate, he wasn't thinking straight. He's made that decision. And now we come to the first of four steps to trusting in God alone when situations or circumstance 
overwhelm us. Step one, go to God first. With me back here at verse one again. Be gracious to me, O God, for man is trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. Where does David go? He goes to the Lord, goes to God first. It's a cry for grace. Be gracious to me. Do we need God's grace? Every day, every minute, every situation, right away we should turn to God first and say, God, this is yours. Use me as your instrument any way you can, but I I know you don't need my help, but I need your help. Go to him first. How often we cry out for God's grace. That day again, as we talked about, when everything goes wrong, or as was shared in our, in our prayer group, sometimes we say something and shouldn't, but we can't take it back. Hebrews 4.16 shares what? Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why does David need God's grace? Read on. For man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. It doesn't let up. He's in that city of Gath and he's been spotted and people are looking at him and they're reporting him. Trampled means he's tread underfoot. Fighting means to war against Uh, visualizing citizens or soldiers of Gath as they see he's in the city all day long. Oppressing has the idea of squeezing very hard to press together. It's used in Psalm 42.7, Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. We don't... I think, no, the power sometimes of water, like a hurricane, Michael, when it came upon shore, the power of the surges of, of all that water coming. Sometimes that's the idea here of, of being pressed by, by the breakers crashing over us, oppressing us. Psalm 43, 2 says, For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Enemy wants us to what? Be discouraged. Get depressed. Quit. Sit on the sideline. God says, I'm here with you. Look to me first. I will never leave you. I am your strength. Nothing else. Verse 2 reminds us David's being trampled and squeezed all day long, never lets up. And those who oppose him, they're proud. They're proud fighting David. I remember a Christian missionary named Jonah, and many of you probably remember, a citizen of Pakistan whose name, picture, and address was put on a local newspaper that said whoever killed him would be honored. That's persecution. That's oppression. But Jonah said, as long as God calls me to share the gospel with those that I have an opportunity with, I will do it. Because for the believer, is there a fear of death? Where will we be when we die? 
with Jesus in heaven. No more sin will be in God's presence. And many missionaries around the world, many that we support here as a church, are facing persecution like never seen before. We in America, it was mentioned in our our prayer group, we still have the freedom here to worship like we do. But that could be taken away at some point. And who are we going to turn to? Are we going to look to the Lord first? Are we going to look to other things and say, Lord, let me figure it out. If I get in real trouble, then I'll turn to you. God says, don't do that. Come to me first. I will take care of you. In the midst of overwhelming circumstances, David goes to God first. The shepherd boy, soon to be king, goes to God right away. Not as a last resort, but a first one. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? Psalm 46, 1, The Lord is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Julius Lofton, who's serving time at River Bend Correctional Facility, wrote this and put it this way. And I like the title, I Need You. Lord, I need to talk to you for direction or for guidance. My life seems to be at a standstill. I'm so lost and I need finding. Make me lie down in green pastures. Lead me beside the still waters. I need you to take control of my life for the sake of my son and daughter. You alone know what's best for me. I need your grace and mercy. Protect me from the evil one and the wicked when they try to hurt me. Cleanse me thoroughly, inside and out. Wash me in your blood. I know you will never forsake me or separate me from your love. I need to worship you because you deserve all the praise. I need your forgiveness daily for all my sinful ways. You are my Lord and Savior, the way, the life, the truth. At the end of the day, bottom line, all I need is you. I count that such a privilege to having worked with inmates at Pinellas County Jail for 17 years. And it always reminds me, they don't write that just to be writing something. They write it because God has spoke to their heart. And that sends shivers at me when I share that because I know God's with us wherever we are. Except for the grace of God, any of us could be behind bars as well. Now we come to step two, to trusting in God alone. And we see that in verses three and four. It says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Not only in verses 3 and 4, but it's repeated in verses 10 and 11. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Step number two, have confidence in God alone. In God alone. That's hard. Because we live in a world that says, well, just go down to the bookstore, how to do this, how to get out of a trying circumstances, how to have this victory, how to do this and that. All we need 
is God's Word. And we need to put our trust in God alone because it's God's Word. It's not an opinion, but it's God. Never any lies. God can't lie, so it's truth. And that's a big change from the world we live in because the truth is, well, I'll just go ahead and share this and I I won't spend very long on it, but I don't know, I'm getting tired of political ads on TV. My goodness, in the morning, saying, you know, is there something here beside the political ads? You know, God's in control of all that as well. We just can't let Him affect us. And that's a challenge, just like sometimes watching, and I'll go ahead and say this, watching a football game. You know, we have our favorites and all. Anybody else get intense watching football? There's maybe one or two of you out there. I know a lot of you do. (laughs) But you know, when situations come up in life, our confidence has to be in God alone. When Adam was afraid in Genesis 3.10, as he answered God after sinning, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Are we ever afraid or frightened? A close friend or family member dies or a child runs away from home or we get a bad report from the doctor. What do we do? Read on. I will put my trust where? In you. In you, God. David records, I am the one who puts my trust in you, recorded in an earlier psalm. Psalm 11.1, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's the one that will see us through. Verse 4 tells us, in God whose word I praise. How much time do we spend praising God? Say, God, just thank you for who you are. I know as we sing the songs we do on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, We're praising God, but I challenge you as I challenge myself, think on the words we're singing. Don't just say, well, that's a pretty melody. (laughs) Think on the words so that it becomes part of our worship. Because the words are picked out to be scripturally right. And so we're praising God together when we sing or making a joyful noise. It doesn't matter. God hears it in perfect harmony. The last phrase of verse 4, and verse, as we get to verse 10 and 11, end of verse 11, what can mere man do to me? What can they do to us? When we put our total trust and confidence in the creator of the universe who is greater than all, what can man do to us? You say, well, they can kill us. Yeah, it's true. But again, we'll be in God's presence in a moment. Paul, the Apostle Paul, struggled with this. Remember he said, I struggle with whether it's better to be here, remain with you, or to be with the Lord. Or to be laying up our treasures where? Here on earth? So we can run down to Ikea or Walmart or Penny's and say, wow, I got more stuff here. (laughs) Got to leave it all someday anyway, don't we? And what's going to happen to it? It's not going to be at an auction It's all going to burn up, isn't it? But God remains. 
Our third step in learning to trust in God alone is shared, verses 5 to 9, where it says the following, All day long they distort my words, all their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited to take my life because of wickedness. Cast them forth in anger. Put down the peoples, O God. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? That third step is that we need to put our hope in God. Put our hope in God. While all the vicious attacks continue on David, they distort, they trouble his affairs, they twist, they misinterpret his words, their thoughts or purposes are evil, wicked, bad. They attack, stir up strife. They lurk to hide in order to ambush him. They watch and look about from a distance. They're trying to trip him and waiting patiently to kill him. That's a lot going on. And it's not just happening once, but it's happening continually in David's life. Sometimes it seems like we have a lot of opposition, maybe at work or communities or or families where we get opposition. Did Jesus get opposition? Did his disciples get opposition? But there's hope. Looking to God alone, I'm always reminded of Peter Remember when he was sitting on death row (laughs) and the church was praying for him and they had gotten together and they were praying day and night for Peter to be rescued from prison, from dying the next morning. Remember that story? (laughs) And God delivered him in this. He comes and he wants to tell them, God heard your cries on my behalf and delivered me. And so he has to knock at the door and this little girl says, comes to the door and says, comes back and says, it's Peter. Oh no. No, that's his ghost. We've been praying night and day. That's not really Peter. And he continues knocking on the door saying, God delivered me. He heard your prayers. What opportunities we have to pray for one another. And not only pray for one another, but share Because God always answers and share to encourage those in the midst of something. And I've asked this before, how many get too much encouragement? How many give too much? So those are two things we can always be about. Verses 7 to 9, David expresses his hope in God alone and he cries out, But he also, we need to remember what it says in Hebrews 10.30, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Turn it over to God. Let him handle it. Verse 8, David asked God to remember all his suffering so God would vindicate him in the midst of all the trials and situations and circumstances. He knew God is there. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Jeremiah in the muddy cistern. Silas and Paul while they were in prison. We have a weekly prayer list that's always in our bulletin. So we know how and who to pray for here at Lakeside. And if we don't know what to pray about, there's a good start. Enemies of God and us as children... God will turn back because he's sovereign and he's in control. 
David relays this encouragement that lets us know his hope is in God alone at the end of verse 9. This I know that literally because God is for me. That's something I think we can print and put on somewhere in the room to remind us God is for me. No matter what's going on in my life, God is for me. And he will never forsake me. We need to know that. To come to the knowledge with certainty that God is always for us. David knew this as a shepherd boy as he guarded the sheep. Remember against bears and lions. As he stood with a slingshot before Goliath. David knows with certainty God is for me. Do we know with certainty God is for us no matter what? When all goes well, that's easy, isn't it? But when things don't go well, do we know with certainty our hope is going to be in God alone? Word of encouragement we gain in hoping in God alone. I share with you this written by an inmate in a low correctional institution just written a short time ago. Alina Abador. She's now at Loyal Correctional Institution in Ocala. Never give up. When struggles come your way and the tears you cannot hide, just know you're not alone. Jesus is always by your side. Sometimes we do not know why we go through the things we do, but always keep your faith in God because He will see you through. Hard times don't last forever. There's a rainbow after the rain. Our Savior loves us no matter what, and he'll take away the pain. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Pick your head up high. The next time you look up, you could see a rainbow in the sky. So even when it's hard sometimes, remember you are not alone. Jesus is with you always and forever, and he's coming back to take us home. Never give up. Our final step in learning how to trust in God alone in all circumstances is shared in verses 12 and 13. In that last step, thank God as we anticipate deliverance. Look with me at the final two verses. Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed, my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. David shares that God's vows are binding upon him. Literally, I am under vows to you, O God. Vows are promises voluntarily given to do something. We make a lot of promises to God in times of trouble, don't we? I've heard that many times. And I've also done the same thing where, you know, Lord, if you help me through this, I'll do this. Trying to make a deal with God. But you know, when that trouble passes, we often forget, don't we? But those vows that we make to God are binding. Often we forget when God delivers us to even thank God how he delivered us. Luke 17, remember the ten lepers? How many came back and thanked Jesus? One. Nine didn't. 
Were they healed of their leprosy anyway? Yes, by God's grace. One came back to thank the Lord. David remembers how God had delivered him from death in Psalm 33, 18 and 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. In Psalm 49, 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. In Psalm 86, 13, for your loving kindness toward me is great. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. So when God delivers us, we need to thank him and we need to praise him. And that should give us confidence in our current situation. God will do it again because he's God. He has no limits. And it talks about here... David says, indeed, my feet from stumbling, from falling. You know, we live in a world around us that wants to push us down. And as if you can just picture it this way, we're walking in life and somebody from the side is wanting to push us. They want to see us fall. God says, I've got you. I'm holding you fast. I'm not letting go. I will give you the strength. If it's an opportunity to share the gospel with someone... Share it. Don't do it on company time because that's a bad witness. But do it and when God gives you the opportunity, you say, well, I don't know when the opportunity is. Yes, you do. Because the Holy Spirit nudges us and says, now's the time to speak up. Don't sit back because God says, I'm with you. I'm overwhelmed at God's grace The confidence that we need, this is a song I heard and I just love the words. It's called Confidence, written by a group and sung by a group, Sanctus Real. And here's what it says. I'm not a warrior, I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to. But Lord, with your strength, I've got no excuse because broken people are exactly who you use. So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart. I'm not singing, actually. Give me a heart like David. Lord, be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. I'm going to sing and shout and shake the walls. I won't stop until I see them fall. I'm going to stand up, step out when you call. Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to sing and shout and shake the walls. I won't stop till I see them fall. I'm going to stand up, step out when you call, Jesus. When God prompts us to speak up for Him, it takes His strength to do so. But we have His strength in us. We just have to trust Him. Why does God deliver us and keep our feet from stumbling when we're being pushed from behind? The rest of verse 13 is such an encouragement. So that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Every day is a gift here on this earth. When we wake up in the morning, we need to say, Lord, thank you for waking me up. I know I've got a purpose today. I may see you later today through heaven's gates, but that's fine. But for now, you woke me up. And then secondly, pray, as I shared with inmates, and I remind myself, 
Help me to take advantage of the opportunities you give me today. Don't let me have them slide by another time. So that we can walk before God in the light of the living. Alexander McLaren, a commentator, shares, The really living are they who live in Jesus. And the real light of the living is the sunshine that streams on those who thus live because Jesus lives in them. Sunshine. I like that. It's a beautiful picture. James Montgomery Boyce shares this, If you really want to move out of your fear, despair, and loneliness and bask in God's sunshine, live looking upward always into the face of Jesus. Then will you find yourself saying firmly, In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Every day we walk before God means to go forth carefully and with perseverance in the light of the living. We have an opportunity to live for the Lord on this earth. How many times? One time. We have this day, October 14, right? 2018. We have one day like this. Tomorrow it will be in history. It will be past. God says use the day wisely. Our final step in learning to trust God alone is thanking God, anticipating deliverance, because it will come. When difficult, overwhelming circumstances come our way, and they will, first we need to go to God first, even with our complaints. You know, God hears our complaints too. And do we ever complain? I'm sure I'm the only one, but I'm sure... Maybe one other person out there has complained to God, but God hears our complaints too. He just wants us to keep communicating with Him. He's our God, our Savior, the one who created us and the one who saved us. Even when we complain, we can turn with confidence to God and put our trust in Him because man can't do anything to us that God doesn't allow. God is in charge, not man. As God's children, He is for us. That should be an encouragement. If anyone's struggling with anything this morning, and we all do from time to time, God is for us. He will never leave us. We can be thankful to God because He will always deliver us, either by walking through heaven's gates, through death someday, our meeting Jesus in the air, are helping us through a rough time so we can help a brother or sister who's a little ways back going through a rougher time where we were and God brought us through. That's an encouragement. God is with us all the time. No matter what, no matter how we feel, even overwhelmed, God is with us. He will deliver us as we learn to put our trust in God alone. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Psalm 56. I pray it's an encouragement to everyone here that God, you are faithful. And if we put our trust in you alone, you will never let us down because you're God. You love us no matter what. You saved us from start to finish. And every day, Lord, even this day, 
we have you to walk with us. We praise you for it. Encourage anyone who's struggling right now. And if we can encourage one another that God will see us through, see each one of us through every situation, let us do so. Let us speak boldly in your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.